Welcome back to Inspire Reads with Inspire Entertainment. This is the fourth episode. We're already a month in. Um, I'm joined by my co-host Shamaki, and I'm your host Mohammed. Um, today we've got a few different things to talk about, but yeah, this is actually already been a month. Four episodes, four books, four weeks. So I think that's pretty impressive so far. Four weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've even felt it. Yeah, I know. I know. It's pretty going pretty quick, man. Uh, how you been? <laughs> I don't ever ask you that, do I? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, just, just like, hi. <laughs> it's like, hi, right, right. Like you just expect me to be here, just mm. ready for it. So, yeah, um, last episode we talked about um, the Murder on the Orient Express, which is a book and a film, a uh, murder novel. We didn't get a lot of time to talk about it, but well, we're moving on. The show must go on. And this week we've got a different book that we're going to read, but we're going to start off with a little. A little bit of a challenge first, uh, just to loosen up our tongues and get to it a little bit. Black people don't read. People Reading don't. is fundamental. Get a book, man. Get the great stories. The great thing about reading is that it broadens your, your life. Um, so this week, we're going to do a little bit of a challenge, just a little creative storytelling challenge, and we're going to try and make that uh, routine, hopefully. And we'll do other different challenges. Um, so for the first one... Uh, I decided we'll do a little video game challenge. If you were to make a video game, what would it be about? Like, you got... I'm going to give you one minute, 30 seconds to pitch your idea. <laughs> Say that to me. I Go for it. I think right. this would be the best. I'm not even just saying That's that. Right. Say that, right. Go for it. All right, so basically, you know how everyone's into, like, role-playing games, yeah. right? People like to have a custom a character which they customise and yeah. get gear for and stuff like that. So basically, you choose the character to be in a certain world on the map so like a certain tribe okay. like you know how Skyrim does it yeah this is basically loose off Skyrim innit? yeah so you've got different races and whatnot, and then <laughs> each you just realised that you said basically loose <laughs> you meant to say nah, loosely based but right, continue loosely based but <laughs> right, you know what I mean <laughs> it happens man alright continue and then um, so you've got like all these other races and within our race there's like three classes yeah. there's okay. the broke guys yeah. there's the middle guys yeah. and then there's the like the royal rich guys. boys yeah. Yeah. so you can rich choose gang. which, which <laughs> yeah you can choose which side you want to come from yeah. and then if you're coming from the poor people then you you know you're in amongst the thieves and stuff like that and okay. you have to work your way up okay. so really true there is no like major storyline it's, it's there you're in this world from mm. a certain class and it's how you want to go about it so if you want to start real poor yeah. then like work your way to becoming king yeah. then you can because most games don't give you that option. Like, for example, Skyrim, you can't actually become the Yarl. Yeah. You can only become this, like, you can become better than him. Like, yeah. in strength-wise, but you can't actually beat him. Like leader. <clears throat> exactly. So this one here, or if you want to start from the Royals, you can. And then dictate the way you want things the to go. The good. Yeah, so it's like strategy plus role-playing game plus, like... Something else. So nap, so nap. That sounds pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. Is it coming up? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, investors. If there's any sponsors, I. Yeah, <laughs> well, you thought about it a bit, haven't you? Yeah, I have. I've been thinking <laughs> about this for a while. Swear. Yeah, literally. I even Adio. drew a map. <laughs> you drew a yeah, map. Investors, all that, man. Yo, yo. I, I gave him like I, I, I hinted that the video, the video game challenge, and yeah, this guy said he's got a best idea. I was like, yeah, we'll hear it on the podcast. And now he's told me there's no way I'm beating that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think of anything as, as complex as that. I, I just thought 
I thought I'm gonna make a game, game like, nah, 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 nah. I thought you'd be complex with that, but I, was, I didn't think of it through myself. So I was like, yo, I'm gonna make some basic, <laughs> I'm gonna make some basic mobile game, <laughs> some temple run thing. <laughs> you know me when I was younger, I used, I used to like running a lot. <laughs> when I was in primary school, I was that kid that was always just running around oh, like at break time. That was running circles. <laughs> Yeah, at break time, I'm just there running, doing laps to the playground. Like, was yo, there a need for it? Yeah, I don't know. Did man. you just do it? Yo, it was just the energy needed to be cons- <laughs> it needed to be used somewhere. <laughs> Lord knows it wasn't being used in the classroom. But <laughs> yeah, so uh, my video game. Okay. I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking a similar thing like open world uh, RPG sort of thing, as in um, you play different characters, all these different races and whatnot. But yeah, I didn't think of that through. I'm not gonna lie. I just thought guys are gonna be running around with with knives and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what would be the ideal game. I think something that like would allow different genres to mix, like sports and stuff. Like I've always wanted a game where you just do everything. You can go into different houses and like there's furniture and everything. Like you know them games that you can customize your house and yeah, stuff. It feels yeah, good, yeah. doesn't it? You're like you come home, you're like, oh man, yeah, I did this. <laughs> Yeah, one of those games, but also a mix of like sports and stuff. Like, if you wanted to go to an arena and you could play like a little bit of Quidditch, why not? Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, throw it in. <laughs> yo, when you watch Harry Potter, did you ever want to play Quidditch? Of course yeah, you did. Everyone did. Yeah. Like, yo, I wanted to catch that snitch, man. <laughs> but yeah. People are really catching snitches, though. <laughs> <laughs> You're pretty bobby, man. But uh, yeah, so I just think a game like that where everything is, is combined, I think that would be really interesting. And if you could, if you could uh, slap my idea into yours, oh boy, that's, that's the game of the century right there, man. I also have a game-changing way of combat. Yeah. You know how it's usually like R2 and stuff like that. Mm. But imagine what con- like... What console are you playing yours on? Uh, the Wii? The Wii? Nah, nah, nah. Okay. It's got a PS4, Xbox, isn't it? I see virtual reality for Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so having the analog sticks is like the arm. Yeah. So then, if you like, swim okay, around like that, oof, you know, yeah. some revolutionary stuff right there. I'm liking it. I'm liking it. All right, so Sony, holla at your boy. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think that'll be cool. If you've got any like similar challenges you like, to, you like us to like try and have our hand at, um, yeah, we'll we'll try to think of some as well. But yeah, I think it, it makes for it a little a bit more of an interesting section in the podcast. Mm. And it adds a little bit of dynamism in it, but. Yeah, I, I think up. dynamism, mate. Okay, oh. <laughs> Ooh, trying to catch you slipping. <laughs> get you. Well, I said dynamo or something. <laughs> but yeah, um, I like the idea, man. I think I think you should you should try and get an investor or something. <laughs> if you don't ask, you'll never receive, mate. <laughs> but yeah, okay, all right. So this week we're going to the book now. Um, this week we um, picked a book called The Book Thief, and uh, it was just one of the random books on my book list, which is ever growing. I've probably got like a hundred books on there now. Um, just people just randomly sending their recommendations in, which is very much appreciated. But I think I've got enough books for a lifetime now, to be honest. Really? <laughs> Yo, you see my, you seen half of my book list now. Oh, that was yeah, off. Yeah, that was <laughs> off. Yo, it's, it's growing like every day. But yeah, I was just scanning through it, and then I saw uh, the book thief as the title, and I was like, Yo, that sounds interesting, you know. Mm. So I just decided we'll, we'll go for it. And yeah. It, like first impression. I mean, uh, after reading it all, I, I, I really enjoyed it as a general uh, impression for myself. But um, yeah, it's a book that was written by an author called Marcus Zusak. That's a little tongue twister there, an Australian author, and it was written. Uh, it was released in two thousand and five. Um, it's pretty interesting because he's Australian, but his parents are Germans who 
survived the world. They survived World War Two, I think. Yeah. And he during um, for this book, he took about three years to write it. He even went to Munich in Germany for three years to like make sure his facts are straight, you know. And yeah, I think he he's penned a great book, and uh, it's also a film which was released in two thousand thirteen. And I think you watched a little bit of. You watched some little clips after yeah. you read it, and they didn't look as good as the book did. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was down to the acting. Mm. I don't know why I'm but yeah. cynical like that, but that's, that's what it was. But yeah, I really enjoyed the book. Uh, what do you say your general impression was of it? At the beginning, I, it was a different writing style to what I was used to. Yeah, it was like the it's way very the, different writing style. The way the author wrote it was just like sort of more as like note taking general, yeah, like a diary, you know? yeah, like a journal type of thing. Yeah. And then afterwards, he like gets into the story, and obviously it's a slow start at the beginning. Yeah, we at struggled to get into yeah, it. It didn't really catch, catch us. My, yeah, yeah. I think uh, towards uh, well, we won't get into it just yet, but the middle part was mm. that's when I proper started getting into yeah, yeah, yeah. the book. At the beginning, I was just struggling to keep going. But overall, though, yeah, overall, just give it a little overall, it was, it was a good book. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was the best work we've done in the podcast so far. So far, for me. Yeah, so I think it has all these different elements like emotions, mm. um, intricate writing, all these metaphors, the way it's written. It's a different style that you don't normally see in, in, in general books. Like, how many books have I read? And, like, this is the first time I've seen something like this. And the way that the writer narrates it, oof, I think it is a very nice touch, you know. And, and you don't see that anywhere else. I, I've never seen that before, something like that. I think for me the best one is the kite runner. Kite runner. the end. Yeah. So, yeah. If the end was as good as this end, then it would have been the best one. Because mm. I don't know, I found it a lot easier to just like it was to an read. easier read. Yeah. yeah the it was more digestible. Through, just, yeah. 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 You, can just, you don't even know how many. You just literally just keeps you going on. Also, this one here you actually have to like oh yeah try catch the metaphors and all of this stuff. Yeah. Also, this was. Uh, it was a, four, a roughly four hundred page novel, which is the longest we read so far. And the last one we read, uh, the last, the second longest was about two hundred fifty, so like one hundred fifty more pages or something. So uh, that's another thing that kind of also led us to taking our time reading it, and uh, I think we struggled to get into it a bit. And that yeah. that page number was quite daunting as well. <laughs> I think we we're gonna try and avoid reading uh, books that are three hundred plus pages. Just because we're trying to read a book every single week, so doing that I think will be difficult unless we divide it and start doing like series sort of yeah. things. But yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it in general. Um, if you want to go through a summary, so what happens is uh, this book is set in Germany, World War, uh, like pre and during World War Two, sort of after World War One, and it's uh, basically about this girl who. Had to be, had to be given up for adoption by her mum. Her, um, her and her mum and her brother were travelling to Germany uh, during the beginning of the book, and then we realised that um, she, because of uh, the fact that her mother was communist, uh, she believed in communist ideals, um, and that wasn't that was looked down upon in Germany. Because yeah. they, <coughs> they had she, beef of the Russians. Yeah. So, uh, so she, she so for good of her kids, she wanted to give them up for adoption, basically. And during the their journey to Munich, the the brother died. So the only person left is the main character, who, who's called Liesel or Liesel, as Shmuggy says. Liesel, I'm just gonna. So yeah. Is very so yeah, the mum, 
the mom uh, during the journey they they the, the brother dies a young boy um, from starvation or whatever like they're, they're living in some extreme poverty and so um, they have the funeral and then the mother drops off Liesl into her new her new home which is a place in Munich um, and the street name in the book is called Himmel Street uh, we haven't really looked into if it's fictional or not no Himmel I have it's, uh, it's real. fake it's fake it's yeah that's what I was thinking that's the thing or like Mühlen Mühlen whatever it's called um, yeah, the city. The, yeah, the city just outside of Munich. Yeah, it's fake as well. But but that's a, another thing. That's what I'm saying. Like this writer, I think that level of storytelling with all these different characters, I think is quite. I think it was amazing to be honest. Yeah, uh, I think it was a masterpiece. Um, but also just to touch on that, yeah, the narrator itself is. Yeah, I was gonna get is, on that. But is, well, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> the narrator itself is actually deaf. Which is from a very interesting perspective because yeah. usually it's like behind one character. Yeah, I pretty much kind of confirmed this towards the end. At first, I was just like, "What well, after you asked me?" No, no, no. I'm joking. No, because there was parts where I was just like, "I mean, this this can't be like a human, in it." Yeah, he can't. Otherwise, because nah. he keeps talking about how he goes around collecting souls and. So. stuff like that so at first I just thought it was a little like metaphor thing for mm. like a murderer mm. <laughs> and so, then yeah. obviously you find out that it's not really a murderer well you thought it was a murderer yeah at the, at the beginning I thought nah I think in the, during the beginning like near the beginning he states that he's death yeah and but, then but well, you thought that was a metaphor so yeah I just that's what I thought okay. it was just like a some murderer. poetic murderer yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, at the beginning part just uh, when when you mentioned that they had the funeral, mm. um, that's when the death starts his narration. Guy, yeah, he basically calls her the book thief because yeah. she takes um, her she, well, she steals her first ever book, which is uh, what's it called? So at the funeral, at the funeral, funeral's guide or something. At, at the funeral of her brother, um, her and her mother are there, and then she she noticed that one of the funeral directors or one of the people. That had dug the grave. Who was an apprentice to the uh, undertaker, or whatever, yeah. had dropped his his book, <laughs> which is quite weird. The book was called uh, a, a guide to like the best uh, grave digging or something grave, like yeah. a successful grave digger. Like oh, that's some next level entrepreneur that right there. But um, so that was her first book. She she didn't really steal it. The guy dropped it. She picked it up and she got to step in. Some people might say steal it, <laughs> but for a young kid, they don't really think about that. Um, so I think around that time she was around ten years old, wasn't she? Yeah. Before she got, uh, so they adopted her around 11, 11 years old, and it's going throughout like her childhood to like sixteen. But yeah, in terms of writing style, as I, I was about to get onto that, um, but yeah, Shemaki mentioned that the the narration is in the the eyes of death, as in like death himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like death is narrating the whole book, and um, the, there are all sorts of metaphors that are given all these inanimate objects of life so they talk about all these different things like a table or speaking yeah. like <laughs> it's a and very interesting writing well. style yeah colours that are breathing yeah. he, he basically like all these different objects that would, you wouldn't associate with life are, are given the the animation sort of thing yeah. so they're all living and that's the like metaphor that's continued throughout the whole book and um that that death thing as well that that death himself is collecting all these souls yeah. because obviously in Germany around that time was uh, there were a lot of deaths in World War Two, um, so he's he's sort of saying how active he was so he's always been around the book thief and he's always like 
he's aware of everything that's yeah. happening. So the the writing style, I really enjoyed it throughout the whole book, to be honest. But I think the story build up was just a bit slow for yeah, me. And I think there were some filler moments that were <coughs> unnecessary. Um, but yeah, we'll start from the beginning. Um, yeah, after she gets adopted by a family called the Ubermans, Ubermans, if you want. Um, a, a man and a woman the man's called Hans and the woman called Rosa um, a husband and wife um, they already have two kids who are, fu- are fully grown um, and one of the the son is uh, a Nazi yep. <laughs> basically who's, who's like proud Nazi. proud Nazi who's disagreeing with his father because the father actually fought in World War One, and then after that he doesn't fight he, or he doesn't even try to join the Nazi party which is what they all recommend sort of um, so they all sort of look down at him um, in terms of the community but well, that's another thing about the writing style uh, every single character on Himmel Street he give, like all these different houses on the street he gives them names he gives them personalities he yeah. gives like every single one is different like the area is alive yeah the just, area is alive yeah, isn't and, just the main characters and where they live and I think that's great because uh, it, it gives you it, it gives you more of a connection to them yeah. and whatever action they take whether they, they live or die <laughs> and um yeah, so the the dad Hans Zimmermans is uh, his job is a painter. So he's not like an artist. He's actually a guy that goes around painting people's houses, which is a big thing throughout the whole book um, because it relates to a lot of things. And he also plays the accordion an instrument, and he he basically gets paid for that. But he's very, on very low pay. Yeah. And his wife she goes around washing people's clothes. Uh, clothes. <laughs> I just say clothes. <laughs> Yeah, she she goes around washing people's clothes for money, and she's got like a clientele throughout the street basically, um, and that's another thing that plays into it, into how the book thief becomes the book thief, you know. Um, so, you want to continue from there? Yeah. So, actually, just to touch up on a point, he he doesn't actually. It's not because he doesn't apply for the Nazi yeah. thing. It's because he yeah, he did, but they didn't accept him. They had him on the waiting list. Yeah, because they thought he was a coward. Because they, because uh, they mostly thought that he was a sympathizer. Yeah, he drew a sympathizer. So even his own son said, "If you're against Hitler, uh, no, if you're not with Hitler, you're against Hitler." Yeah, and as far much. as I can see, you're against Hitler, so yeah. you're against me. So his son sort of like breaks up the family like that. Yeah. Right. So um, at this point here, we may as well get into like the characters of who like Hans Huberman is and who. Um, his wife is because they're like focal to the main character which is Lysel yeah. or Liesel yeah. I'm just going to say Liesel because uh, that's how I think Germans say it just made that okay uh, that's what I said earlier but go <laughs> yeah so basically um, so Hans Huberman mm-hmm. is a, he's a very tall guy that's how he's described yep. a very tall guy with like silver eyes yeah um, and that's the one who the little girl relates to the most yep. because the the woman Rosa she continues she's like a very loud woman who swears a lot strict yeah um, Can I it's, it's really tough for love huh? go on yeah alright so um, after she saw her own brother die the main character Liesl saw her brother die and she doesn't really recover from that obviously for a kid that's a very traumatic experience so um, like the first night she she gets adopted she's very reluctant to leave she's very reluctant to enter the house and her, her, she can see that her own living mother has like given her up for adoption and you can imagine how that is for a child um, so she's very reluctant and she can't sleep and she starts having nightmares about her brother dying 
Um, so that's when she starts building up the connection with her fa- uh, her new stepfather, um, Hans, by because he's, he hears her screaming and having nightmares and crying, yeah. so he comes. He comes and he, he sits with her throughout the whole night. And uh, yeah, that's an interesting thing because yeah. you start seeing how caring he is from the, from the get-go. And he's like, uh, everything that he says seems to be just the right thing to say, you know, not too harsh, not too soft. And uh, you can see that he's a very comforting character. Yeah. Uh, and also, um, so basically she's not someone who's able to like read and write. And he basically then starts reading to her uh, like about yeah, so her, she's like, illiterate book, yeah mm-hmm. and then the book which she has is the grave digger one so yeah and so from that like he he gets he starts to think like maybe she's a bit you know what I mean like cause why does she have like a book about <laughs> yeah. graves and stuff like yeah. that so then um, so he obviously then finds out that she actually doesn't know what the title is or she doesn't really know how to read and stuff like that so then he go, takes her to the basement mm-hmm. to start teaching her how to read um let me just give a bit of background there yeah, what, so, yeah go on. <laughs> so um one of her so she so she picks up that book and she basically because she has nothing so she, why, why, not pick, why not pick it up yeah. why not pick it up and then when she's at the house she hides it under her under her mattress basically and then um, one of her nightmares during one of her nightmares um, she wets the bed basically and um, when they're cleaning when they're cleaning up her and her father cleaning up the bed sheets he, the book falls out and he sees it yeah, and then that's, that's when to mention yeah. yeah. So, um, but, but throughout the whole thing, she's actually going to school in German in in her in her little village city, if you want to call it. Um, but she's um, older than all the kids in her class, and yeah. she's illiterate, and they're all they're all uh, sort of look, looking down upon her, and she doesn't really have any relationship with any of them. So uh, no mates in it. <laughs> but um, that's when yeah, it, it goes into uh, her father trying to teach her how to read, even though he's not actually a great reader himself. Not, which yeah. is interesting. But obviously he. He, he wants to make sure that she's able to keep up with class and stuff like that. Yeah. And she then starts really enjoying that and treasuring those moments late at night where yeah. he comes to her room and starts teaching her. Yeah, because she like, continues to have nightmares. They don't actually stop. Yeah, she continues to have like nightmares for her like childhood. Yeah. Um, and every time she has it, he's like there to come for her to read her stories uh, like well into the morning. And he actually helps her, like, actually learn to read and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then that's when she starts to go on, like, a spree of... Like, stealing books. Stealing books, yeah. So here's where, where this relates to her mother's job. So her mother um, goes around town, like, door-to-door, asking people if they want their uh, clothes washed. And then she does them and brings them back, and they collect their clothes, and they give them the money. Um, and... Uh, one of the clients of her mother is the, the mayor of the city and he's got a rich he's he's got a mansion he's living in a lavish lifestyle lifestyle and his wife's um, the only one that's like constantly staying at home um so liesel starts helping her mother um do the uh, clothes washing job and she starts um going door to door and then she notices that does she notice what uh, the the library of the the mayor's wife. No, she doesn't notice it then. How does that? How does she <laughs> At the it? beginning, um, what's it called? So what happens is 
that I mean, that part there is just like she finds that woman very strange. Yeah. She's just like quiet and stuff. She yeah. just hands her the money, closes the door. Yeah. And then there's a part where the the Nazis they begin to start burning the Jewish oh, yeah. books. Yeah, that's the first second book right that she gets. That's the second book she yeah. gets. And then that lady sees her oh, yeah. taking that book. Oh yeah. And so she the invites ne- into the house. Yeah. So the next time that Liesel goes to the house to collect the uh the washing she's expecting her to like call her husband which is the mayor like she might get arrested she's proper nervous before she goes there yeah and uh, so I just touched on that um, which part the fire the burning oh yeah so um, during, before the before all of that um, the Germans their propaganda starts to build up and the and Hitler's starting to like like build up his agenda as well and you can see that World War Two is sort of building up as well they so, invaded Poland yeah they already like invaded Poland and um, at that week the whole city um, has basically a bonfire where they're trying to remove all the Jewish propaganda and like uh, propaganda or no just anything related to Jews like books yeah, posters books. anything yeah. related to Jews they will start uh, um, collecting them from different people's houses and burning them basically and uh, so even the Jews that were on the sh- on the in the city, that they were all like prominent figures of the city as well, and they're all um, like parts of the, they're all members of the community. Yeah, their own shops and like yeah, they're all actual yeah. Yeah, so they were all like they're all working together like in in a community with peace, and then Hitler's agenda starts building up, and then they they have this bonfire where they're burning all these books and all these different things related to Jews basically, and so. They have the bonfire session and bonfire session. Bonfire session yeah. <laughs> and Liesel sees that one book hasn't been burnt, or she she rescues it basically from the fire, and she thinks that no one's seen her, but um, she notices just as she leaves, she's leaving that someone saw her, and later on we find out that the, the someone was the mayor's wife who she's been collecting her washing from. So she was really scared because um, her father's already known as a sort of uh, sympathizer to Jews. Yeah, and so her family's already sort of looked down upon by the general community so she was scared that she might that the mayor's wife might tell the mayor and someone the Nazis will come to their house and they'll, they'll take her or they'll they'll take the family away or whatever you know what the, you know what the Nazis do <laughs> but yeah so that goes straight to she, that's her second book and then um, she ends up like getting invited into the house by the mayor's wife and the mayor shows her the mayor's wife shows Liesel her library and it's full of books and um, I think at that point she resolves like she resolves to to, to take one <laughs> I think she's like already has that, like that seed of that seed in her mind that she might take one of those books but yeah this goes into um, one of Liesel's friends so growing up she didn't have any friends during uh, like when she first moves in and then she starts um, going to school and she she like starts playing football with some of the yeah, school like kids outside her home. yeah outside her home like the people uh, kids from the neighborhood basically yeah. and um she makes one good friend called rudy rudy steiner yeah he he's considered a friend but there's also a sort of relationship building up yeah. <laughs> which is funny because uh the, narrator, the narrator describes it as like this kid he, he's very young but he's also very crafty and he's he already knows about all these stuff like how uh, <laughs> how relationships like build up and yeah. stuff and he's always asking That's he's always asking for a kiss <laughs> Yeah. And, yeah, and it's funny also because uh, he's known as a little maverick as well, a little <laughs> random character because he, when there was the Olympics in Germany during, was it 1930s? 
Yeah, um, <laughs> Jesse Jesse Owens, who's a the, the black guy that won three gold medals yeah. in Germany's uh, in the Olympics held in Germany, where Hitler was present. Where he didn't even shake his hand. Yeah, Hitler yeah. didn't shake his hand because of that. And um, basically, this character, he he sees that and he he basically idolizes Jesse Owens. Yeah. <laughs> so he's a blonde German kid, and he sees this black uh, athlete winning three gold medals, and he 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 sort of idolizes him at that point, and he even. Goes right. He even goes and he he paints himself black, yeah. and like just to emulate him, and he starts running around, and that's one thing that he enjoys apparently. Yeah, he runs <laughs> like like me. <laughs> I got some like like little relation there. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's like her her best friend growing up, and um, they start they start due to poverty throughout the whole community, they end up um, with the gang of boys just stealing for oh, yeah. just st- stealing food. Point. That's when, like, at this point here, wars like kicked off, yeah. yeah. And the uh, the Germans and the Nazis and stuff, they have to start rationing their food. food yeah. So, you know, um, there's this scene where it's Christmas time, and uh, Hans Huberman, who's the adopted father of Liesel, um, actually like sells off, like I don't know how many cigarettes, but like quite a few, to get her two books. So that basically, she was obviously thankful for the books, but she then realized that things were starting to get a bit tough. Yeah. And so that's when her and her friend, uh, Rudy Steiner, went and uh, started joining like these little... Gangs. Yeah. Well, yeah. Gangs, you could say, yeah. Who go around basically... Um, stealing from farmers. Stealing yeah. from farmers, like getting all sorts of food and then splitting it up amongst them. Yeah. Do you happen to remember the main leader's name? Berg. Thomas Berg or something. Arthur Berg. Arthur Berg. Arthur yeah, Berg, that's, that's it. it, yeah. yeah. That's a good thing you remember the surname. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then he's basically a very charismatic leader mm. um, who starts sort of running their little gangs and their, their plans and whatnot. And they have this uh, tactic, which, well, it's not really a tactic, but or if you basically get to the end of the fence of like the farmers like you know food area whatever it is um then basically you get left behind if you're the last one on the fence um and then there's a point where i think it's rudy who comes last yeah on the fence and that arthur burr guy goes back to basically save him yeah and that part is uh is interesting because later on another guy sort of comes to mm. basically become the leader of that gang yeah. who isn't quite like Alphaberg. Alphaberg, because there's a lot of like foreshadowing in the book. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah. like Def, the guy who's narrating it always is like um, about a certain character like, oh, but I met him. Yeah. You know, basically meaning that he met his death. Yeah. And he said the same thing about Alphaberg. They said that after that little heist that... Um, where they ran into it, where they took like apples and whatnot from the farmers. Actually, not not that that wasn't the last one. There was another one where Rudy basically plotted to sabotage a kid who takes the food to the local priest. Yep. And when they do take that food, then they start splitting up with Arthur and the other lot. And that was that's basically the last time that they see uh, Arthur. And the, just to touch up on the point that the author continues to do foreshadowings that he says early on that you know that Rudy was gonna die as well yeah um, 
Which was uh, how do you feel about that? Huh? How do you feel about that? About him just in terms of spoilers. It, it, in terms, of, like there was another spoiler, which was basically that he said Rudy would never end up getting a kiss from Thingy. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, while he's alive. Yeah. And then sometimes I don't mind it, and then sometimes I think you overdone it a bit. Like, Chill, mate. Like, huh? <laughs> I think he, he, I think he overdone it a bit. So for me, sometimes it's like you know. But then again, you know when someone's read a book before you or someone's watched a film before you yeah. do you do you dislike it when they give you spoilers it depends on what it is for me I don't mind because uh, I like to see how the, how the story actually like unfolds like the actual the way it, it, the way the story happened rather than like, the actual storyline and I think that interests me a bit more but uh, here he, he even says that the author himself says that um, spoiler, uh, like spoilers aren't that bad sometimes oh is it like, yeah there's, there's actually yeah. a page like there's actually a page where, where He's like, yeah, um, spoilers aren't that bad sometimes, and sometimes it's the the mechanism in which the story was told, in which is more interesting, you know. It's but, like Shakespeare. He basically says that Romeo and Juliet yeah. are gonna die before the actual yeah. play even happened. But I think there's a balance that needs to be <laughs> be held. Yeah, and uh, I think he did it in a good way, but he, I think he gave too many spoilers sometimes. Too many. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like some things are so, all right, cool. Yeah. But then, like every single like, yeah, there was too many things which was just like, ah, oh, I mean, if you know this isn't gonna happen, then there's no point, yeah, like actually rooting for this character, yeah, yeah. So it's an interesting point, but um, let's go back to the th- ceiling. So with with the them stealing the 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 farmers, uh, what do they call it when the farmers like harvest like produce, produce yeah. yeah. And they, with them stealing the farmers' produce is uh, something that they're doing purely to feed the, feed themselves, but they don't actually go and like feed feed their families either. Because yeah, if they get found out, yeah. yeah, if they get found out, they won't be able to do it again. And a lot of the people on that street are actually pretty good people, and they 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 all have like good moral values. And you can see because most of them aren't in the war, most of them aren't uh, behaving like Nazis, yeah. and they're all pretty um, well knit community, you know. Apart from one shopkeeper who's, who's like, if you, if you don't say hail Hitler before you come into the shop, you're not allowed to buy anything, yeah. <laughs> which is a bit mad. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's another thing that like Hans Uberman, like throughout the whole thing, you can see how his personality is reflected in the things that he does and how it affects the community around him. And yeah, I think that's interesting. So, so they pick up the habit of stealing, and then um, what happens is that. The, as the war starts to escalate, uh, people start um, losing. Obviously, they start losing money. They, they, things are, are getting difficult. So, um, Liesel's mum stops getting clients. Some clients uh, fire her, and one by one, she's losing all her customers. And already, um, the father Hans he hasn't been getting a lot of work himself. So, um, one by one, they start losing customers, and eventually, the mayor's wife also fires. Uh, fires Liesel and her mother um, and the funny thing there is she doesn't fire her because they don't have enough she fires her because it's not fair on the other people is yeah. what they say and uh, Liesel goes in a, in a rage and she starts screaming at her and uh, she, she says some hurtful stuff because um, the mayor's wife she finds out is, is quiet because her son died and she's she's locked up in the, in the house to try and like to sort of punish herself in a, yeah. in a way and um, Liesel basically like uses that as a as a, as a weapon against yeah, Mayor's like wife. Weak. Yeah, you're yeah. weak. And and then um, it turn, and then basically Liesel ends up trying to steal 
from the house and uh, her and Rudy they they go with the intention of stealing food but she already knows she wants a book from yeah. the library she, she wasn't there for the food yeah. to begin with yeah, yeah. so she she they, she steals the book she doesn't bring any food <laughs> and Rudy because he likes her and he's cool like that he, he doesn't really mind he's like yeah. right, man. and he's, he's always starving himself in it you know so he's used to it <laughs> so um, that's really interesting because the mayor's wife notices and they think that she doesn't notice but she notices yeah, she, and she, she continues to to leave so the, the window next open time she does come she yeah. leaves a note on, inside the book yeah Basically saying that, um, well, this is after she's stolen quite a bit, actually. Yeah, like two books she's stolen. And uh, she basically leaves a letter saying that, um, that I know you've been doing this, I've been seeing your footprints, you know, after you've gone. Um, And next time, come in a civilized way. Yeah, like knock on my door and then I'll let you in. I'll I'll let you take the books. But yeah, that's uh, the the main thing of like where book thief name came from, and um, if now I think the, the main thing we should talk about is um, why she finds it so important and how she fi- ends up like enjoying literature so much, you know. Um, so if you give a bit of background, um, during World War One, Hans Huberman he fought and he he survived, and one of the people he fought with and died. Uh, the uh, the soldier that died um, that he fought with was a good friend of his and um, he basically uh, tracked so the soldier who's friends with Hans Huberman dies and then Hans Huberman tracks down the soldier's family back when he comes back to Germany and then he tells them like uh, just give me anything you need just hold on me and so the, the wife of the soldier and she has a newborn baby son basically and they say he basically says anything you need let me know um he gives them he gives them his address and he gives them his name and then uh, little does he know like like he doesn't hear anything back from them to, and then 22 years later he gets a knock on oh, he doesn't even get a knock on the door no he gives him a key yeah so he gives him a key because the guy has a key nah I, I remember i remember now remember the guy that was helping the jew mm. he found hans huberman okay. and then they arranged for the travel Ah, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so death the narrator starts narrating about another character who's called Max what's his name Vandenberg nice. Vandenberg or something and um, he's basically a Jew who's hiding he's in hiding and he, he's got nothing he's got he's like living on the streets and uh, he's like living off scraps and he's he's relying on one guy to come and bring him food and like bring him news of something that we don't know about just yet. Yeah. But um, yeah, and we find out that it's a train ticket to Munich, and um, that guy. Uh, we find out later on that he's friends with the Jew. And he, he's a German, but he's friends with the Jew, and obviously they can't be seen together. If he gets seen, both of them are probably gonna get killed. Yeah. And uh, so he's doing it in a very infrequent way, so he's, he's trying not to be suspicious. And eventually, um, he managed. He met the Jew called Max Vandenberg he I think it's called Vandenberg he manages to get a, a train ticket to Munich and he finds um, Hans Uberman and then we find out that this Jew was actually the son that little boy that we mentioned earlier the son of the soldier that died alongside um, Hans Uberman in World War One, and he's bringing that letter saying "Bring uh, if you need anything uh, let yeah. me know and um, we find out that that guy uh, he's like because obviously the Jews were getting persecuted, then they were getting killed, um, taken to um, gas gas showers. Like, what do they call them again? Uh, gas chambers. Gas chambers. Yeah. So gas yeah, but it's because it's because death, death yeah. himself 
I was narrating that um, all these different Jews were getting cleansed by the, uh, like showers, and he's he's collecting their souls, all these different like yeah. groups of them, and he sort of describes how quickly they die and uh, yeah, just in out, and then the yeah. next ones in out. Yeah, so death is like really making, or well, the narrator is really making the point of emphasizing how the Jews were persecuted and um, how they died and how inhumane the Nazis were throughout the whole book, and uh, I think that's really interesting. It's quite sad. To see, uh, which is for me, it, it was more touching than the Karana, the emotions that you feel in the Karana, you know, because mm. this is like a mass genocide, like a madness, and um, he, like the way he describes it is just very detailed. No, yeah, of course, and the way it does it as well is just like you can tell that the Germans they don't really care. They don't value them as, as human beings. That they're just like literally the way I think the way he says shower is a it's a very interesting way and yeah. also like fits in. Yeah. Because it literally is just like they're in and then they're out and then another batch comes. Yeah. And then they're being like cleansed of their own lives. Yeah. So Max Vandenberg, he's actually escaping from the Nazis and um, he's got his internal demons as well because he's seen his family get killed. And he left of his own will because he had that letter from his mum. Um, and he feels really guilty that he left his family and they're all dead now. Um, but they got killed by the Nazis and now uh, his only hope to survive is Hans who who is who basically gave his dad no he gave his mum the letter 20 years ago yeah um, that's so. basically the middle part I'd say yeah. of the book yeah and that's when but it's I think that's when it starts grabbing your attention it and it gets really up. interesting and like tension starts building up because now they have a Jew in their house which basically means that if they get caught then everyone goes down yeah just the Jew hands so Rosa the girl everyone yeah, just to remind them that they live in Munich like central like the capital of Germany and uh, Bayern Bayern yeah. <laughs> they live bang in, in the center of Nazi Germany and um, any like Jewish propaganda anything any sympathizers they were persecuted as well just as uh, just the same as the Jews and the fact that this guy this Jew uh, it comes straight like to their door in, in Munich is mad and like yeah. um, if he's seen in their house they're all gonna get killed basically and um, the first night that the guy comes Hans like makes it very clear to Liesl that you can't tell anyone about this yeah. because the Jews themselves they were, they were scared of children because the children are basically snitches yeah. <laughs> and he, he was wary of, of Liesl he was, he was probably thinking like she uh, she's getting educated by these guys mm. so if she, if she wants she'll probably tell and uh, um, obviously that's not true because throughout the book she, we talk, we see how like Liesl's morality is very high and she, uh, yeah, Hans she is, follows like Hans's yeah, Hans's personality has like really reflected on her and we even find out that like Rosa is really sympathetic as well and you start seeing like how her relationship with her husband is is more uh, there's more love than we realise yeah because at the beginning it's just like oh shut up you like, yeah. waste man and then afterwards when something we, like when this big thing comes at their doorstep she's actually she comes through yeah she proper helps them up yeah and so they hide the Jew in the in they, they hide the Jew in the basement of yeah. the basement of the house and that whole period is very tense because if there's anything that if there's any way any like notice of him then he's gonna they're all gonna get killed and the problem is that the basement's very cold as well and um, if he goes upstairs then um, they the, the basically can't be suspicious so they have to leave all the windows open 
they have to leave all the curtains open and yeah. if they if they don't it will look start looks start looking suspicious and so they leave the curtains open and they um allow max to live in their basement and they bring him food even though they're very low on funds themselves um and that whole period is just very tense and there's even a period where um the nazis start going house to house to check everyone's basements to see if it's suitable enough to be a bomb shelter yeah. and um Liesl really comes through by by using her wits to warn her parents before it happens. And the mad thing is the Nazis actually come into the house and they come into the basement. And um, you, you think that there's going to be like some intricate plan to hide Max in it. But uh, what do you call him? Hans, he basically, he says, let's just act normal, act like nothing's wrong. Because they already sort of hid Max in the basement from like, from day one. Because yeah. like, um, as you mentioned earlier, he's a painter. Um, Hans Huberman's a painter, and so always paint, always painting stuff is in the basement. And so they tried, like, like they strategically placed all these paint equipment around. And paint drops as well yeah. to hide him around. Yeah, and, and sheets to hide him with. And um, they basically say, uh, please don't mind the, the mess in the basement. And the Nazis are the, the Nazis just happen to be uh, led by one. Uh, cheerful guy yeah, like, oh, yeah, don't, yeah worry don't worry about it. it like you should see the houses we've been to already sure. and yeah um so they managed to somehow um sneak past, like get past that point which is very tense and and then it starts getting even madder because um the bombs start happening like the, the air raids start happening yeah. so if you remember uh if any of you guys did history <laughs> in gcc whatever uh so the the jammy starts getting bumped yeah in, during World War Two, and um, they have to go to air shuttles just as the the British did in the in the that's World War Two. Hmm? Like how they both do the same thing yeah. on either side. Yeah. So that's the thing. This whole book is just the way that it's relating to these Germans and giving them personalities, these innocents that weren't fighting in the war, and they had to deal with what their um, political leaders' um, yeah. actions caused. And it's interesting because you don't really see that from a lot of books. And there's a there's the boy in the striped pajamas, but you don't really see. How the the, the German civilians, the normal Germans, yeah. German civilians behave. You see the Jews yeah. and like how they were persecuted, and everyone knows that. But uh, in terms of every German wasn't yeah, every German wasn't an evil Nazi, you know. And, uh, and then um, this street is showing like how the majority of them were actually normal civilians, and they were just they just had to deal with um, what the leader did basically. <laughs> so. They, there's the the areas start happening. The city keeps on getting bombed over and over, and the whole the whole city have to go to bomb shelters basically. They, there's this one house that they go to. Everyone in like that area. Yeah. And then when they go to the house, um, they have to leave Max behind. Yeah, they have to obviously... leave Max behind because they can't take him with him. Yeah. And then he basically says, "Oh yeah, I mean this is cool. I already put you guys through enough already." Yeah. So just imagine like how because they start building up like a, a rapport, a relationship with Max, and they they hear his story, and it's a very sad tale as well, and like how his whole family died, and how he ended up where he was, and um, he starts relating with Liesel, and he, he starts even writing her books from the book that he had, um, and that is another really interesting thing, like the way those books are written, um, they were really they were really cool, and uh, so those air raids like just imagine how tense it was where the whole family um ran to the bomb shelter knowing that there's a human being in their basement that could die easily and then just imagine um how if if he was to die um and after they would need to try and get uh, like uh bury his body or whatever and try and get rid of try and get rid of the evidence of the the so-called crime that they committed according to the nazis 
and that's another point of tension and it's that whole middle part of the book is very interesting and suspense filled and mm. I really enjoyed that part and then there's the, there's the part where in the bomb shelter where everyone's panicking and stuff like that mm. she then starts reading a book and then her friend is in there with her the Rudy guy and then he starts getting people to like quiet down and then everyone starts listening to her and that's when you know like because obviously by at that point she's able to read yeah and then when she goes back her dad tells uh, her, her foster dad tells the max guy that about what she did yeah and then that inspires uh, Max, the Max to, write another book. to write another book which is the the word shaker mm. which obviously we get to towards the end but it, when they go back to the house they um, basically Max is like yeah I'm very sorry and they're like for what and then he says that when you guys were out that he went outside to look at he went no he didn't go outside he looked he opened the curtain a little bit to just look outside because yeah. he hasn't seen like outside in 13 months in, or something yeah in, in crazy long um, and he was like the stars were like blinding so that just like goes to show like how much struggle he like yeah how very light he must have got and that's another stars. thing that I want to talk about like in terms of him living in that basement and like his only hope was Hans to continue living and uh, like when he's telling his story he's talking about how traumatic like it is when he, he's escaped but his family's being killed and now he's just to live he's putting other people in, in in danger like he's actually asking them to risk their lives for him just to continue living and that's another thing like does he see a future for himself at this point like like how do he get out of that or are they just yeah. waiting it out for the water exactly. to stop that's what it is yeah exactly so like he's, he's just, just living for the sake of it yeah literally he is and he's putting all these he's been the the Huberman family in danger as well um, but they're as you can see they're very nice people and they're giving him everything for free they're not, they're not taking anything from him it's back. not like he can just go outside or anything yeah. like that or just like take a train going anywhere yeah because wherever he goes in Germany, mm. he's going to get caught. Yeah. Um, and towards the end, um, they start having Jew parades where uh, the Nazis start marching the, the Jews through the streets to show that, like, they, like to, to show that they've captured them and yeah. like show that, uh, like, so how they should be treated towards the gas chambers as well. Yeah. So that everyone knows like where they're going. Yeah. And they're just looking at these guys who like have their cheeks like swollen and just like. They look hollow and like proper, just like beating down human yeah. beings. Yeah. And then that's when the again the, the narrator he basically says that because um, the way he writes the book is every like few pages or whatever he wrote yeah like these little bullet points. So he says this is like the mistakes that Hans made. Yeah. And one of the mistakes that he made. Which was like three consecutive ones. The but first mistake. It's questionable, though. If you want to call it a mistake, though. Yeah. But yeah, come, yeah go yeah. for it. So basically, what we're on about is that there's this Jew that is walking by, and then Hans, because he can't bear it anymore, he brings out Some like bread. a bit of bread and he gives it to. to one, the, one of the Jews that's getting persecuted. Yeah, to the Jews. And then he gets seen. He gets seen. He gets beaten. He gets whipped. But while he's getting whipped and beaten, 
he's panicking because he's basically saying like what I've messed done? up because now they're going to think I'm they're a gonna come supervisor for me. Yeah. they're going to come to my house they're going to check the basement they're going to find Max yeah. and then we're all done so, yeah. so the next well, mistake or whatever was basically that he took Max out his house he basically said that you can't I don't think he took Max out well yeah to- I think Max uh, he, he told what happened to Max and Max volunteered because yeah. I think he maybe he gave him a chance to volunteer, but he basically wanted. He knew he couldn't stay there any longer. Hans knew that he couldn't keep him because event. Because that's why. No, I know that. Him. I know that. But yeah. I don't think Hans would ever kick him out. Even no, he wouldn't unless he did that. He would have not kicked him out. But I don't think. I don't think that. he even suggested. I think Max just left off his own accord because he. Nah, I don't think that's it. That's, nah, I think that Hans basically sort of like nudged him on. You think so? Yeah. I don't think so. Do you think it says that in the book? Yeah, in the book, I don't know if it says that, but that's what I got from it. Okay. I got it because he, he basically started ushering. Well, he didn't physically usher him out, but he basically told him, like, you know. He like, told him what happened. It's a peak situation right now. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he basically tells Max to to bounce, in my opinion. I don't think he does, but. Well, do continue. You think he just. Max yeah, I think goes, Max volunteers. Because at that point. He's, he's like I can't keep continue putting these people in danger and he, he's finished the book that he wrote for Liesl and yeah. he's like yeah that's it it's time to move on I can't stay here forever because like, mm, he, because the point the reason is because obviously what happens next where uh, Han starts to regret well basically he starts living with this guilt because no one's come to the house so he's thinking to himself yeah one day like, when these people gonna come yeah so he's saying to himself like have I just kicked them out for no reason as in the Nazis so yeah he's looking he's waiting for the Nazis to come to sort of approve what he did which is the reason why I think that he kicked them out on that nah court. I think he, he suggested it in an indirect way but I don't think he wanted the guy to leave but he's like this is the only option that's basically, that's basically yeah, what that's, happens that's what I'm saying yeah so he, uh, he he's expecting the Nazis to come which is why Max eventually leaves the house and in, in the night time he leaves and with a few possessions they give him a suitcase and some food and they they just wish him luck basically and um, the plan is that Max is going to meet um, Hans in like a week's, week's time in a certain location that they specified but um, when Hans actually goes at that time remember there's like a river yeah. and then, uh, he finds out that Max just left a note and he said that I've done enough I can't, uh, I, can't I, I've tortured you guys enough yeah. um, I put you guys in enough danger so don't help me out anymore and they don't hear from Max again and um, the thing is throughout the whole story like whenever Max gets introduced to Liesl she feels sympathy for him and like she relates to him because he lost his family she lost her family they both have nightmares yeah so yeah so she really grows like very to, fond to love him yeah of, of Max and obviously he writes stories as well she's a big fan of stories and the stories actually have like happened to do with her so she like really enjoys the so stories. that's the thing the author also like he, he fits in these little books like that's what I'm saying I think it's a genius right honestly because he gives he makes up all these different books that this book thief stole and he gives them all these books a little story within a big story and um, and then he even goes as far as to to illustrate and write out the whole book that Max yeah. wrote for for uh, for Liesl which is sort of like talking about like propaganda and uh, how she saved him and uh, it is very interesting and I, I think it's, it's genius writing in my opinion and yeah, as you can see from like I was reading through, and like it, it sold millions of copies worldwide. So yeah, I think you deserved it. <laughs> 
but yeah, and then it starts going towards the end. The good old end. Yeah, go for it. So then towards the end, now what's happened is Max is out, Hans is feeling proper guilty, and then the Nazis start losing the war. Yep. And they start needing men t- to go back to the war. And so Hans's application gets accepted. For the Nazi party. Yeah, because right now they're desperate. Yeah. And he basically then leaves to go to war along with uh, Liesl's next door neighbor, which is the Rudy guy's father. father. Yeah. He goes to war, but he actually had the option because there was this period where the Germans were looking to make the ultimate human being. Yeah. Like this was an actual thing. They actually yeah, were looking for the best. Pure like, evil in it. Yeah. And so what they did was, because the Rudy guy, Liesl's best friend, was like very athletic, very fast. Yeah. And he was good when he came, came to like the military and stuff like that. Even at the beginning, he wasn't. But he grew to become very good at it. So then they were looking at him and some three other children, expecting them to be like the next race of top human uh, beings. Yeah, which is the mad like ideology of Hitler and yeah. his Nazis is actually and, mad. And what they did was they, they took him and two other boys to like uh, like a school office where a nurse came with some doctors and they stripped the guys naked and then they started like, you know, looking at them seeing like if they could be the new human like so, the, so human beings basically they gave them 2.0 yeah, yeah so the doctors gave those uh, specimens if they want to call them health checks to yeah. see if like, they're really healthy internally and externally um, so they can try and breed them breed eventually them literally, yeah. uh, which is mad honestly like it's actually, yeah it's actually mad like yo these guys are actually sick in the head yeah so basically two two men came to um, uh, Rudy's father uh, the night before and to explain that basically yeah they basically said that we want to take your your son away in it yeah and uh the father basically said no nah, you can't can't do that and because he did that he put himself in in the listing yeah and so he went off to war yeah um which is again when like the narrator foreshadowed that like rudy died yeah and he said that maybe this would have not happened like rudy dying if he went yeah. Um, so, anyways, uh, so Hans, so the story kind of splits in two with Hans in war and stuff, and Liesel still back in her like city. Yeah. And now, in, back in her city, she's what's it called, reading stories to some old lady and stuff like that. Um, not really much I going think, on. I think towards the end, it's just a lot of fillers. Yeah, just, literally a lot of fillers. It's not like to take away from the story. I think what the writer is just doing, all he's doing is detailing how the civilians behaved during the war. Yeah, and that's all it was. Give more life and context. Yeah, yeah, and then. Um, but for us, it's not that interesting because. Yeah. So the interesting part is when, like, the dad is on the way to war, and then the train flips over. And when the train flips over, like, there's a lot of injuries and stuff like that, and he happens to break his leg. And because of that, he gets sent back home. And when he does get sent back home, uh, obviously his family are very happy to see him. Um, But Rudy is, like, bitter about it because his father is still out there. Um, And then again, there's, like, more fillers, I would say. And then, obviously the the ending now which is what happens is um one night the 
I think the air raid like siren things. So the allies, come. the allies, or the British and the their allies, that's what they called them. Yeah. <laughs> they they did a false raid where they they pretended that they're gonna fly over and bomb Germans, but they didn't. Um, they just like swooped around and then um, so the sirens started as a false alarm basically, and then um, the sirens started and then they they realized it was false alarm and then um, they the allies basically caught them slipping. So they, yeah. they they did a fake and then they went back into it for a real one, and they actually ended up bombing that city and the Himmel Street that Himmel this Street. the author has created. Yeah, and the way uh, the guy does that it was very very good. Because the way he basically says that he started off with this family, and then yeah. he explains that there was this old lady who lost her son in the war, mm-hmm. and then her second son, when he came back, he ended up committing suicide because he like lost his fingers. He was he's not, his brother died. His brother died. His mom was in grief, so he just committed suicide. And then he says how he came for her. Um, and it was like a gentle take and then he came for the Steiners which was Rudy's family and her how the brothers were there lying together uh, yeah. the sister was there sleeping with her like feet out of the blanket how the mum was there with like this like, basically death is detailing how, how all these people were just, just like, civilians un- innocent that, that hadn't, do, hadn't done anything and they're just um, sleeping standard and um, they just got their lives taken away just like that. <laughs> Literally caught unaware. Yeah. And um, so he basically says that he then took Rudy's life uh, of the children, kissed the mum, and then took her life, which is obviously I don't know what he meant by yeah, that. I think that's all just. I think it's all just extra. Though. Just extra yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just being fancy. And then he basically says, then he came for the Hubermans. And then he, he kept saying, oh, like, the papa, like, Hans, like, he was a proper good guy. And then uh, how he took his life. Then, yeah, his soul was light and yeah. he, didn't, he didn't have any struggle. <laughs> and then he, uh, Ro- Rosa, how she was, like, mid-snore with yeah. her mouth open. Um, and then he said that he actually lingered and looked at their souls. Like, he doesn't do that for most, but because he says that he read the book Thief. Mm. Um, it's weird man huh? it's weird yeah and and then uh, basically Liesl was in the basement writing the book thief yeah so, so the reason he, why she was saved oh well, yeah she got saved yeah <laughs> uh, was because she actually started writing her own book um, yeah. after Max uh, after her father left the war to keep herself busy um, she started writing the book and the only place like she, like she felt comfortable writing was back in, was the, basement in the basement where, where Max used to write yeah. where she learned how to read and write yeah um, so basically she wasn't killed by the air raid the air raid and then when she was brought out taken out by um, the people saw and or the people out there like survivors and stuff like that yeah, yeah. Um, she basically is looking around searching for uh, like her parents and then she sees, um, what's it called, like her mum, her foster mum, lying down, uh, like dead. Yeah. And um, her dad, who she can't look at, she brings his accordion and basically places it under his arm. Mm. Um, and starts obviously weeping. And then she sees Rudy, who's there lying dead. And then obviously, because the thing was, throughout the book, Rudy would continue to ask her for a kiss. And then she's basically telling him, oh, Rudy, you know, I love you, all of this stuff, right? Yeah. And then gives him a kiss as yeah. well. I think it's just extra, but... You know what I mean? To make it a bit more romantic, you know? The end wasn't that interesting for me. 
and because we already, we already received the spoiler, we already received the spoiler. We knew it was coming. Yeah. Yeah. We all we, we all knew it was coming eventually, but um, she survives and she she ends up moving to Sydney or something. Yeah. So the I question is, if if he didn't say the spoiler, yeah, would it have like and it just happened like the bomb hit? Yeah. And they all died. I think it'd be much better. Really? Yeah. Mm. But yeah, uh, basically. Liesl moves to Sydney and I don't know if that's him uh, like sort of relating that to where he's from so the author's like I said he's Australian yeah. as well so maybe he's relating that to that Just trying to chuck himself in yeah. there yeah. <laughs> but yeah maybe uh, that's why he's trying to like get his tail in and um, I think it's a very detailed novel and it's very intricately written and I think there are a lot of genius plot so like plot methods like plot techniques you know yeah, just to go back to because um, there was a part where you know when she's over Rudy's body and she's telling him that she loves him and stuff like yeah. that. Um, there's, like, he basically, the, he being, like, the narrator, says, uh, but nothing cad. Because she's telling him that she loves him and all yeah. of this stuff like that. Obviously, he's dead already. But the way he said, but nothing cad, like, I don't know, it was very powerful to me because... <laughs> Because it's like literally nothing cares because her yeah. parents are dead. Yeah. Everyone like that actually matters to her. Yeah. That, that those words would mean anything to yeah. is dead. Yeah. The way he says nothing rather than no one is literally means like distant. Like she's literally by herself yeah. and has nothing. So I was just like, damn. And that, that got me there. Yeah, so for for me, like the beginning, a very slow start. But I could see from the beginning that the writing was very intricate, and I enjoyed the writing. But yeah. the story was a bit slow to build up. The middle was amazing, and then the end for me was a bit bland again. <laughs> but just in terms of like the spoilers, and I think how the balance of spoilers was was abused a little bit, <laughs> if I could say that. But um, yeah, but overall, I really enjoyed the book. And if I was to give it a rating, should I say, I'll say like eight out of ten, yeah, a high eight. eight. A high eight. Yeah. Eight point better than better than all the other books that I read so far this, in this podcast. Yeah, I'd say uh, I'll personally say seven because it was a really slow start. Like mm. I'm talking hundreds of pages. Yeah, before it started actually. You know what? I think I'll give it to so I'll give it a seven then. Seven, yeah, because yeah, I'll be on that. A high seven. Like, yeah, a high seven definitely. Um, and the good thing I liked about this book as well is you know like how we met how i mentioned in the first podcast yeah uh, like well, george r mentioned that like um the well, characters the that are what's it called great characters yeah are always like the best characters um that there are a lot of like great characters in this here, book yeah in this book um like you're gonna touch on that again yeah like what does great character mean so a great character is basically um one which isn't like full good or full evil yeah. like in Lord of the Rings you've got like Aragorn with no bad bone yeah. <laughs> at all in his body and then you've got as, like the orcs as human are beings like are awful innit yeah. but yeah as human beings we can relate to those who who have flaws and stuff like that yeah. and in the book he's got uh, he, like everyone he basically says um, that the consequence is that I'm always finding humans their best and worst I see their ugly and their beauty and I wonder how the same thing can be in both Poetry right there from death. <laughs> from like death, death. right there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the book as well. I, I, I agreed with all those employees as well. Like the, the, I think every single character, he is showing how they they are flawed, but they, they also have their yeah. high moral values. Even with like Rudy, the small thing yeah. where he started stealing bread. Yeah. And then again, foreshadowing, he goes, 
but then later on he would start giving bread yeah which he did to like when the, the jews, jews started yeah. coming so he tried to cut he, he tried to copy what hans did as well yeah so as you can see like hans like he done a lot of great things and there's even a part where um you know kristallnacht what it means it's like in the kristallnacht yeah it's, it's, it's like a period where the jews like all their shops and stuff like they got like like uh, basically their shops got destroyed and all the glasses on the floor and um and then the the areas started happening mm. and um, because people have lights, obviously lights come out, yeah. lights come out the windows, so the pilots can see that, can see so they can target that. Why, yeah. So this is when hands like really came in handy, and you oh, really yeah, show yeah, his yeah. moral values because um, it's not a major plot point, but it just shows how kind hands was, and in, in that he's he remember he was a painter, mm. so he starts painting people's uh, blinds for money in the beginning and then he realizes how like poor some people poor were enough. and he starts just like accepting anything like people start bottle. begging them as well yeah. So, yeah and he even starts uh, doing like painting people's windows for free so to, just to uh, conceal the light that's coming out so those people can't be targeted by the air raids and that's just another point of like how Hans was great and um, in terms of him he's not I don't think he's much of a great great character I would say like he's more on the good side a lot more on the good side and even in World War One, um, that I think in World War One is when he was a bit of a coward is, that, is what they're trying to say and um, he was a bit soft and he escaped with his life mm. and I think that's why he's always been good like, after that I think he's compensating because I, he, he, I think he feels that like his friend in World War One died because he saved him you get me and I think that's why Hans has such a high moral value and yeah. he's such a perfect character. Especially almost. in the, the time he's in and yeah. the setting that he's in. Yeah. With what's happening to it. Like, I mean, that was... Imagine, like, how angry, how mad, like, a nation has to be to, like, just accept yeah. what's happening to a certain group of people. But that's it. If, if guys with guns come through, what are you going to do? Yeah? If guys with com- guns come through saying... Yeah, but I know what I'm saying. Accept it. What are you going to do? Like... Because obviously this is a one society, but yeah. there's other societies that actually enjoyed what was happening to yeah. the Jews. Yeah. Um, and the the funny thing is, it's like Britain and France and that they didn't come through because of the genocide that yeah. was going on. They actually came through because of because obviously when they started invading political. Poland and other countries, they yeah, were political allies. Yeah. yeah. And then obviously Belgium's next to France, so France yeah. is like, yo, these guys are close. Enough. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. don't, they don't want to be invaded, basically. Yeah, and so then they, Britain jumped in. It yeah. wasn't like literally because to prevent the Jews from getting killed. The Jews being yeah. killed us. As you can see now with like the Rohingya genocide and, and, and that, yeah. all these different things happening around the world, like now you don't really see anyone invading other countries to prevent yeah. that from happening, do you? So the question is, is like, if uh, like let's say Burma were to like invade other countries is that the only time someone would think hey now i'm gonna save these guys or yeah because like right they, now they don't really have the power i think everyone right now knows their place everyone, yeah. in this world like uh, every the country is already made innit? yeah so so, so there, there's not really that much there's not much hope for them which is sad that's apart from, that's literally apart the from actual yeah. kind human beings that are actually going out of their way to do the to, to do the right thing apart know. from that in terms of like military strength or yeah. any of that no one's mm. gonna do yeah. anything until, unless it's for like themselves like, yeah. if if Burma had resources I reckon they probably do but I reckon you know America would be like less yeah that's up to that's yeah that's up yeah. and then at the end they'll say oh yeah look who we saved look yeah, how many people we saved but clearly classic it's, classic uh, state, United States tactics <laughs> but yeah um, I think 
the fact that we're talking about these things reflects on how great of a book it was. Mm. Uh, how do you feel about yeah. how do you feel now about after talking about like comparing that to the other books we've read? I think for me this is the deepest one. <laughs> yeah, actually, is yeah. It was, yeah. First, I thought it was the cat, and now I'm thinking of the cat on I think Karen really touched on like local this, issues yeah. and like cultural issues, but it didn't really talk about like how the, all these issues affect other communities and like all the madnesses that happened and like all these different individuals and the characters that they gave them. And I think I think for me this is like the most all round like well well written story. Yeah. And yeah, I'll definitely recommend it to you guys. In terms of complexity as well, this is better. But I personally think if I was to have both books in my hand, yeah. and which one would I read again? It would be the cat. Right? I don't think I'll read either of them again. Really? <laughs> I don't think I'll read any of them soon. Yeah. But I'm saying if I was put like, well, I'd have to choose. It's easier to read the cat, runner. but the story for me is better in this one. That's what I'd say. Yeah. But yeah. Um, Fair point. I definitely highly recommend this one. And if you want, watch the film first to get a little bit of context. But as we said earlier, we watched a few clips of the film and the acting wasn't too great. But <laughs> <laughs> but that's not to take away from that's the story. Like, that's just we literally watched a few clips. Yeah. Maybe if we watched all of it, <laughs> the whole film, yeah, yeah. It would have been better. Well, I don't see myself watching the whole film either. Like I think I had my film now. <laughs> I had my fill of Nazi Germany, man. <laughs> yeah, I think I watched Goodnight, Mr. Tom. Did you watch that? Nah. Yeah, that was a good movie. Nah. I, it was a British side of things, but... Okay. Good. I probably watched it, probably, but... I literally, like, saw the same thing where a boy gets taken away mm. and he starts living with this old oh, man. Oh, yeah, I think I did. I think yeah. I did. Yeah. Because that was coming on both sides, obviously. Yeah. And yeah, but, yeah, the way this details, like, the German civilians, I, I just think it's very well written. And I would highly recommend it. So, yeah, go and read it. Any comments from yeah, me? Go and read it. Go and read it right now. <laughs> and yeah, I, I I enjoyed this episode more than the last ones because I felt there was more to talk about and um, the way it was written was so intricate that it, it gives you ideas for how you want to write as well. Mm. And it's not like a bland eight, like uh, one, two, three, four, five, like you can predict it. He gives you spoilers, but it's still very intricately written. Yeah. So it keeps your attention in that regard, especially through the middle. But yeah, that's my thoughts on it. By you. Um, closing thoughts closing thoughts um, I really enjoyed the way that it was written because it was so different to anything I've ever read before yeah um, obviously the details were complex I just personally have the issue of the slow beginning because <laughs> yeah. it literally took I agree. days like, to yeah, get yeah, into yeah, it I, I was agree. Just like oh, I agree I was when, on page 80 when, like when Max days. came and there was a bit of suspension then it was yeah like, that's when it started oh, it kicked wow. off yeah that's when everything was all coming in together and stuff like that mm. so obviously then again some people enjoy a slow start and getting into the world again and getting the feeling weird people weird people I just want action yeah, same, but again, same, same. <laughs> I'm in a chase what's happening wham bam thank you Matt <laughs> but yeah that's our thoughts on it and yeah go pick it up and thank you very much for listening and have a good week